to the serpent lord and said the king upon his throne you've deceived and lied my child has gone into exile upon the sand said the devil take my hand at your bended knee you will hold everything you see but the king said no I have come to be the spotless lamb undone and I will fall but not to
Well, good morning, everyone. Hopefully that encouraged you and got you started, get you going for what we're going to do this morning. My name is Jay. If you're new here, I'm the director of worship. And today, if this is your first time here, you have walked into a special service. We uh, at City Church, we have a lot of our um, folks go home for Christmas. And so we want to make sure that we can have this Christmas celebration together. So we do something a little bit earlier in December. And this morning, we are going to do that thing. We're going to sing together. We're going to celebrate Christmas together uh, and hopefully leave uh, encouraged and refreshed in Christ. Um, this morning, we, at the same time, we're also in the middle of our Advent season. And so we're going to begin our service uh, with our Advent reading and candle lighting that we do throughout the season of Advent. Um, and f this morning, we have the... the um, pleasure of three of our youth are going to come and lead us during this time. So Nicola, Gabe, and JJ, if you would come up, they're going to lead us in this time. <laughs> there, just a reminder, there is, there is a, a call and response portion at the beginning and at the end of this time together, and we're reading passages uh, progressively. So you'll hear the first week, the second week, and now the third week's passage. So, Nicola, would you take it for us? Jesus said, I am the light of the world. The one who follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. We light these candles as a sign of the coming People who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. Isaiah 9, 2. And I will lead the blind in a way that they do not know, in paths that they have not known. I will guide them. I will turn the darkness before them into light, the rough places into level ground. These are the things I do, and I do not forsake them. Isaiah 42, 16. The Lord says, it is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you as a light of, for the nations, that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Isaiah 49, 6. Come, Lord Jesus, our light and our salvation. God, would you be with us this morning? Would you enter our hearts in a way uh, that we would see the beauty of the birth of Christ? God, as the beginning, uh, in some ways, as the, the beginning of the salvation story, of the work that you started to bring us to yourself, ultimately finding its fulfillment in the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. Would we observe the birth of Jesus this morning with new eyes and new ears, new hearts, that we would be refreshed, that we would be encouraged, that you would be with us in a special way this morning. God, those who walk into this room exhausted, weary, tired, God, would you give them a special uh, dispensation of encouragement this morning, that this would be serve to give them renewed strength and hope 
because you, God, are faithful and good. So remind, the, remind us of that this morning. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Would you stand with us? We're going to do some singing together. Are you all ready to sing? I'm ready to sing. I hope you're ready. All right, let's do this. O come, O come, Emmanuel. Let's sing together.
special treat for you this morning. Our kids ministry is going to come and share with us some things that they've been learning the last few weeks during the Advent season. So would you, yes, welcome our kids. Welcome our kids. excited to share with you what we've been learning in our classes and we just want to invite you guys to join us in the Christmas spirit. Thank you. 
up the sky It's the same that appeared and the wise men revered When hope was born this night
one of, one of the things I was most excited about is that nobody got hurt. No fire. Two great things. We're still good. We're going to play and sing together one more song. You can stay, you can stay seated for this one, but uh, we would encourage you to still, to still sing with us.
It's wonderful being with you this morning. I love all of you, um, especially if you're new here. Welcome. Uh, we like to say here at City Church, we are, we're a family, but we're a family with open doors. Our scripture passage for this morning for the preached word is from the book of Colossians, chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. Colossians 1, 15 through 23. If you have a Bible, we would encourage you to pull that out, follow along with us. The passage will be up on the screen as well, and then we have blue Bibles in the baskets beneath the seats in front of you. If you pull one of those Bibles out, I would encourage you to start by looking at page 1086, 186 in the blue Bibles in front of you. We're trying to figure out why in the world did the God of the, the universe bother coming into this world? Why bother? Why go through all the effort, all the energy, all the complexity? We've looked already the past two weeks at adoption and redemption, and this week reconciliation. Adoption, redemption, and this morning, reconciliation. Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. Let me read this passage for us, the very words of God. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. This is God's word. Let's pray together. Would you open our eyes and stir our hearts? Even if this is the 50th time we've heard about reconciliation, I pray that it would hit us differently, that you would use your powerful word to change everybody here. You walked into this room in different places, but we all need to hear gospel truth this morning about reconciliation. And so I ask that you would give us rest, but also conviction as we approach this text, and we need your help. So, Spirit, would you work accordingly? And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you are looking for a particularly arresting sensory experience, something to break you out of your pandemic stupor, maybe, I would encourage you to visit your local mall during the holiday season. I mean... Think about this very plausible snapshot. Okay, on your right, you have the purple, pink, neon glow of Claire's with $5 Christmas jewelry hanging in the window. And then on your left, you have a digital marquee pleading with you to go home and turn on HBO and watch Santa Inc., which is probably the foulest and most irreverent Christmas production of all time. And now consider that the whole place smells like 
I thought about it, popcorn-flavored hot dogs. <laughs> and now consider, I think most surprisingly, that there's a speaker just above your head, a slightly blown out speaker, serenading you with the lyrics of Hark the Herald Angels Sing. When I was younger, I found these lyrics surprising because it seemed odd that a guy named Harold would have his own angels. And I thought it was kind of presumptuous that he would refer to himself as the Harold. Now I find the lyrics surprising because I regularly hear this song about God and sinners being reconciled in settings where many, if not most people, don't believe anything about what those lyrics are saying. I mean, Im imagine walking up to somebody in that mall and telling them the same message they're listening to in that carol. You know, I, hello, sinful people. Right? I, let me tell you some good news about the reconciling work of King Jesus. Plenty of people would just stop you at hello and pick up their Nordstrom bags and very quickly walk away. But five minutes ago, those same people were humming along to the same message in front of Claire's munching on a hot dog, trying to decide if an HBO Max subscription finally made sense. Like I said, it's, it's, a, it's an arresting sensory experience, almost bizarre when you think about it. And now someone might say, there, there's not much to see here. I mean, people are, are humming the carol out of habit. It's force of habit. They're not even thinking about the lyrics. And maybe so. But there's something about this idea of reconciliation that moves us, all of us. And this is why we get so, so weepy when we see reconciliation scenes or, or themes unfold in movies. I mean, whatever you think about, you know, for example, the movie Cool Runnings, how can you not at the end when the Jamaican bobsled team is, is walking the sled down the ice and you see... Junior Bevel's dad, he had a very fractured relationship with the son. He, he's standing there and he's clapping and he's pulling his shirt apart to show that now he supports everything. That, how can you not just, just be overwhelmed by that? This whole idea of reconciliation moves us because it resonates with very deeply seated longings that are far more than intellectual conundrums. Longings for inner peace that can seem rather frustrated and fleeting. Longings for peace with one another, especially in an age when that increasingly feels like a farce, kind of a joke. Well, very good news. The kind of reconciliation this carol talks about actually does something about those longings. It actually can bring peace on us. Not to be too dramatic or anything, it's also the only hope we have for peace. So let's look together at Colossians chapter 1, which is just a, a breathtaking passage of Scripture. A question. Who is this Jesus we celebrate at Christmas? 
the one born to Mary and laid in a manger? Answer, someone far more remarkable than even the most seasoned Christian can imagine. Get this paradox. You'll have to think about this on a high hill this afternoon. Though Jesus was born into this world, he's uncreated. He was born, but he's uncreated. Why? Because even though Jesus became fully human at his birth, he has always been fully God, and therefore always existed along with God the Father and God the Son. And that's why verse 15 of Colossians chapter 1 tells us that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Human beings are made in God's image, Genesis chapter 1, but Jesus is the image because he is God. And as God, Jesus was the Father's agent in the creation of all things. Do you ever think about this? By Jesus, verse 16, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. So, so there was Jesus right there with the Father at the dawn of time, creating order out of formlessness and chaos. And if you're f familiar with the book of Genesis, especially the first couple of chapters, you know that God created us in his image to be his stewards, to partner with God in overseeing everything that the Father made through the Son. He created us to, to work and to cultivate, essentially to do some creating of our own, all in the, the context of a beautiful, unhindered, personal relationship with the God who made us. Is your view of Jesus this big? When you see the manger, do you also think, oh, that's right, creator? Is your view of Jesus this cosmic, this, this authoritative? In our house, we watch Paul Bunyan way too much. And this is, if you're not familiar with it, this is the 17-minute version that Disney did in, like, I don't know, the 4th century. That's what it feels like. <laughs> and if you're not familiar with, with Paul Bunyan is basically, we, we watch it really for the, the competition with the machinery, and you root for Paul Bunyan every single time, even though you already know he loses, but really it's, it's actually kind of creation mythology. Uh, so we find ourselves, of course, you know, being the parents that we are every time they say, you know, when Paul Bunyan, you know, fought with his ox and they created the mountains, and we're like, that's not how it happened, you know, we, we have to tell our kids, remember, you know, God created that, we've said it every time now, so when that comes on, our kids just kind of cut us off, like, we know... That's not how it happened. It, it didn't happen like that. But when you first meet Paul Bunyan, you meet him. He's washed up on the shore because there's some big storm, and you find him on a beach. And he's in this enormous cradle, like the size of a house. At least you have to climb a ladder to get up to him. That's not exactly how we should picture Jesus in the manger. But he is that big. 
He is that, that overwhelming. Is your view of Jesus this big? If we're being honest with ourselves, probably not. Some degree of domestication has occurred. Domestication that, that keeps us from seeing the fullness of Jesus' glory and power. Domestication that tempts us to fill that void by glorifying ourselves. And that domestication had a lot to do with the events that unfolded in Genesis chapter 3. Instead of participating in God's very good creation out of chaos plan, Adam and Eve tried to become like God, to be their own authorities. They exchanged God's order for the disorderliness of their idolatry, worshiping creation, namely themselves, above and beyond the Creator. And in so doing, they introduced into this world a new kind of sin-stained chaos that ruptured the relationship with God, that ruptured the relationship with one another, and ruptured the relationship with the entire created order. And so have we, every last one of us. We have domesticated God and participated in the same idolatry, the same striving for selfish autonomy, a striving in which, to put it bluntly, but I'm just quoting Romans chapter 5, a striving in which we become enemies of God. That's a biblical language. Alienated from the one who created us and loves us. That is why we experience dissonance and disconnection in our souls. The, the feeling that, that something is, is off, both internally and externally, that we're, that we're untethered and, and drifting. You know, a feeling that we, we try to smother with the busyness of our lives, with our productivity and our accomplishments, and even our leisure. A feeling that keeps coming back, nonetheless, usually in the quiet moments. There's just no rest. And that's why we experience disconnection with one another, the, the horizontal spillover from our vertical disconnectedness with God. Relational fraughtness that has exploded into our consciousness the past couple of years and, and just stubbornly remains out of reach of even the most insightful op-eds and blog posts. Have you noticed that? Even brilliant writing seems unable to fix it. And I don't know about you, but I don't think CNN or Fox are going to bring us together either. But God, being rich in mercy and abounding in steadfast love, decided to do a little recreating. Recreating that involves both reconciliation and then restoration, which we will be looking at next week. Jesus, the creator of the universe, was born into our world, still fully God, but now 
fully man as well. And then just over three decades later, his cries in the manger, and here I'm disagreeing gently with the carol away in the manger. His cries in the manger became the most devastating yet ultimately comforting cries in history. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then as we talked about last week, it is finished. Why this decidedly different kind of crying? Because the one in whom all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell was making peace by the blood of his cross. Verse 20. Reconciling to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven. That's broader than you were expecting it. That, that's, that's way broader than you were expecting. You know, that the carol, as we hear it, it goes, God and sinners reconciled, not God in all things, whether on earth or in heaven reconciled. You know, the, the second one there isn't as catchy, but I got to say that the reconciliation Jesus was accomplishing was awfully holistic. And here in Gainesville, we are very much into holistic kinds of things, so you're going to love this. By the blood of his atoning sacrifice, and by the way, along with his glorious resurrection, Jesus was making peace between God and his alienated enemies, those who would turn away from their idolatry and put their hope in Jesus. He was turning God's enemies into God's friends. By the blood of his sacrifice, Jesus was breaking down the dividing wall of hostility, Ephesians chapter 2, that by the power of the Holy Spirit, we might have peace with one another. He was turning our enemies into our friends. And then by the blood of his sacrifice, Jesus was declaring victory over sin and death, as well as victory, and this is the uncomfortable part, over all people and powers and principalities who would not repent, but remain on the side of sin and death. You can see this. For example, in Colossians chapter 2, verse 15. This is the uncomfortable side of peace. The vanquishing of those who hate peace and would otherwise stand in its way forever. And if you zoom out a little bit, if if you fly at 35,000 feet, you can see what's going on here. The recreating that Jesus is doing is bringing us back to the way things originally were in the Garden of Eden, or more accurately, he's bringing us toward a new garden that by all accounts is somehow even more perfect than the first. A garden in which we'll live in the very presence of God and once more go on walks with him as Adam and Eve once did in the cool of the day. That's next week, though. I'm getting ahead of myself. Reconciliation. What, what a lovely Advent reflection. Aren't Christmas services so wonderful? You know, here we all are. With, we have our fancy sweaters and our cookies, and, and now a delightful holiday homily. Yeah, it, except... 
I'm not sure how many people who profess Christ are really living like reconciled sons and daughters of God, especially here in the West, maybe especially here in the United States. Chipper, why do you think that? Great question. I'm glad you asked. Two primary reasons. Number one, in my pastoral experience, there's just too much reluctance to enjoy the, the arms outstretched tenderness of the God we're reconciled to. Please remember that our, our Heavenly Father is more gracious and welcoming than Esau, the guy who embraced his brother Jacob, even though Jacob stole his birthright. Our Heavenly Father is more gracious and welcoming than Joseph, the guy who forgave his brothers for initially trying to kill him before they said to themselves, oh no, let's just sell him instead and pretend like he's dead. Our Heavenly Father is more gracious and welcoming than the father Jesus talks about in the prodigal son parable, the father who, when he saw his wayward son, felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. That's what our God is like. That's the God we're reconciled to. But the reason books like, like Gentle and Lowly and, and shows like The Chosen have, have moved us so much the past couple of years, is that they are, they're just oozing with the kind of divine grace and compassion that, that many of us just aren't experiencing. Too many of us, we, we think of the God we're reconciled to, not as the Father in, in the parable that Jesus told, but kind of like the, the long-lost relative who begrudgingly lets us into his home and, and tells us not to touch the furniture and warns us that if we're going to stay there, we're going to have to earn our keep. And that view of God, it, it leads to nothing but, but this moralistic striving when we just feel like we're always walking around on eggshells and it wears us out and it embitters us. Church, enjoy your God this Advent season. Maybe our prayer should be, would you restore to me the, the joy of my salvation? You're no longer God's enemies, you're his friends. And he loves you so much and he wants you to rest in him. His arms are outstretched. And he wants to minister to you. You never bother him. You never inconvenience him. You're his children. Number two. Here's the second highly related reason. I'm not sure a whole lot of us are living like reconciled sons and daughters of God. I say this with, with as much grace as possible, but we need to hear this. Relationally speaking, there is an outrageous amount of animosity and polarization among people who profess to be followers of Jesus. A, a kind of, of animosity and, and polarization that does not make sense among those of us who are 
supposedly enjoying the reconciling grace of God. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. very famously said that the ingredients for loving your enemies are as followers. Number one, develop the capacity to forgive. Number two, see the image of God and your enemy. And then number three, don't aim for defeat. Aim for reconciliation. Okay, well, I mean, ding, ding, ding. When we understand the forgiveness that, that Christ has shown us, it develops our capacity to forgive. And when, I don't know, we read our Bibles, we see that everybody is an image bearer. Yet here we are, throwing relationships overboard like orange crates off a sinking ship because someone offended us on Twitter or somebody voted for the wrong person or somebody is or is not wearing masks or somebody is or is not getting vaccinated. And not just people on the internet. We're chucking relationships with members of our church families and members of our families' families, formerly close friends. It's devastating. Upon this fresh reminder of the reconciling love of Jesus, who do you need to go be reconciled with this Advent season? You. Not the people out there. Who do you need to go and be reconciled with this Advent season? And yeah, I, I know it takes two to tango to be fully reconciled. I get that. But what attempts might we need to make in the coming weeks? With whom do we need to ask forgiveness or show forgiveness? What names pop into your head? I want to end with a note to those of us here this morning who, if we're being honest with ourselves, are not following Jesus. As I said earlier, this is a family with open doors, and we mean that quite seriously. We invite you to be a part of this community, even if you wouldn't say that you're following Christ, and ask hard questions and, and wrestle with us. You are welcome here. We love you very much. But here's the thing. The peace you're looking for, it's not coming unless you turn to Christ. It's not. Not the inner peace. Not the peace with others. We were made for God. And there isn't any peace without him. And we were made to face God together with one another side by side, and there won't be peace with others if we're facing somebody else or something else. Instead, there will just be idolization and relational fracturing and power struggles and vengeance. But with God, there is a true and lasting peace that we and we'll experience in part now, but then in full. When Christ returns, the Prince of Peace, and ushers us into this, this city that we're going to talk about next week, among other things.
where there will be no more pain, no more sin, no more mourning, perfect harmony vertically with our God, perfect harmony horizontally with one another. Doesn't that sound wonderful? Amen. Every week at City Church, we participate in the Lord's Supper together. As others have put it well before me, um, what you just heard was a verbal sermon. Communion is a visual sermon where we get to see what we've just been talking about. We get to see a very powerful reminder of Jesus' blood broken, shed for us and his body broken for us. And by the way, communion isn't just a time for remembering. We actually believe that by the power of the Spirit, as you come and receive this meal, you can and will be spiritually nourished and fortified in your faith. If you will submit to this meal in faith. And I would encourage you particularly this morning, in light of what we've just been talking about, don't eat this meal with, with malice in your heart. Consider whether or not there are people in your life even in this room, that God would have you be reconciled to. At least make a shot at it. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was to be betrayed, shared a meal with his disciples. And during the meal, he took the bread. As he took it, he broke it. Wow, it's probably the weakest one of the year. <laughs> and as he broke it, he said, This is my body broken for you. Do this whenever you eat of it in remembrance of me. And in a similar manner, after the meal, Jesus took the cup, and as he poured it, he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink of it, in remembrance of me. And Paul says, as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we are proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes again. Because as we were just talking about, the, the death goes together with the resurrection, which goes together with the ascension, which goes together with Christ's coming and certain return in which he will accomplish final peace for all of his children, but also vanquish those who remain his enemies. Those of you who are following Jesus, I would invite you to come and take this meal this morning. There will be an elder or deacon on either side of this table. They will have one of these bowls, and they'll simply hand you a wafer when you approach the table. And then they will also uh, open up these uh, baskets here so after you take the wafer, you can simply pivot and take a cup of juice from here as well and then return to your seat. Or you're welcome to linger up here for a while and pray, and you can take the, the bread and the cup when you receive it. Also, after this meal, uh, the people who are serving um, communion will be available I guess near the Christmas tree and then over here. We do what we can with our space at City Church, and they want to pray with you. So don't be a stranger. If you are desirous of some prayer this morning, find one of them, pray with them. They would love to do it. They'll be standing there. So I'll pray, and then you'll be dismissed to come receive communion. Uh, when you desire, if you are here and you're not a father of Jesus, as we were just talking about, instead of taking a meal that you wouldn't say that you believe in, we would encourage you to simply reflect on what we've been talking about. And finally, I'll say that, unfortunately, we're out of our uh, pre-made kind of pre, pre communion kits on the hospitality table that we've had the last few weeks, so that's not available. We'll get them to you next week, so for this morning, come 
and receive. Let's pray. Lord, we are grateful is um, an inadequate word. I don't know, blown away that not only did you send your son into this world, not only did your son break his body and shed his blood for us, that we could we can just be here. Thank you for sustaining us and gathering us. So that not only did that all happen, but we can we can sit here and sing and hear your word preached and be nourished by all of these promises afresh. Thank you. And would this meal be nourishing? Would your spirit move in such a way that it, it does change and fortify us? Would you expose malice in our hearts that we might go and be reconciled? We love you and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
That was beautiful. We're going to uh, stand, if you would stand with us, and we're going to change gears a little bit here. That was a nice, reflective ballad. We're going to amp things up a bit, okay? All right. This next song, it's, it's a little bit out of our, out, okay, confession. This is a little out of my wheelhouse, but I think it's going to be awesome. I'm really, I, here's the thing. This is, this is like a security blanket for me, being back here. It's amazing how like three feet makes a difference, right? But we're going to sing together. I need your help on this song. So I'm going to lead this song, but there's, it's, it's all about the angels singing. And if I don't have y'all singing, there's not going to be any angels singing. So I really need y'all to sing on this. You'll get it in a second. It's, it's like, what is about to happen? You'll get it in a second. The chorus is, all it is, all you're singing is the word hallelujah. And you'll get it, you'll hear it, but I really need y'all to join us, all right? Or else it's going to be super weird. <laughs> Let's do this. Wise men following the brightest star down to Bethlehem. They came far for the coming again of the one that's ever been. And when they found him, they fell onto the ground and joined the angels shouting, singing all around him, singing hallelujah, hallelujah. That's what the angels cried. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Precious little child, hallelujah, hallelujah, sound of the angel's joy, hallelujah, hallelujah, little baby boy. Here we go. King of every king, prince of peace and everything, God with us and he's the only ever been so when we found him we fell onto the ground and joined the angels shouting singing all around him singing hallelujah hallelujah that's what the angels cried hallelujah hallelujah precious little child hallelujah hallelujah sound of the angels joy Hallelujah, 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 little baby boy. 
right, now we're seeing a little more familiar, hopefully. Y'all did great. That was amazing. Thank you so much. appreciation for the band for all the hard work they put into this. <laughs> Likewise, uh, for, for Vicki and Rick Parker, for Jess Harris, for Rachel Pyros, for all the children's ministry teachers, the whole team, all the parents and kids, let's show our appreciation for the great work they did.
thank you all for being here. Thanks for uh, coming and worshiping. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, I'm Ryan, one of the pastors. A few quick announcements before we end with the doxology. Uh, oh, a special song, actually. Sorry. Yeah, I saw that. Um, we have, there's so much that's happening today. I hope you'll stick around and enjoy some of this. Someone is being baptized this afternoon after the second service. That will be in lot 10. So you can go and get lunch, come back. It'll be just probably a little before 1 o'clock. Uh, so come and celebrate with us for that. There's also a, a City Roots prayer team interest meeting. So this is our capital project for our building. If you are interested in being a part of the prayer team for that, there's an interest meeting at 1 o'clock downstairs. So come and uh, enjoy that. And then also at 1.30 in here, there's a homeless ministry uh, Christmas banquet. So our street outreach team has been ministering to, uh, uh, to folks that are homeless in our downtown community. And we're going to have a special banquet for them here this afternoon. So pray for that. Pray that we have uh, we get to bless them and have a, a great build a deeper relationships with them, and that they encounter the love and uh, and truth of Christ. Okay, uh, if you sign up for a meal, just a quick reminder to bring that this afternoon before the the, the uh, banquet at 1:30. There's also a perspectives class that will be beginning January 4th, so you can find more information about that in your bulletin. And a quick reminder. Make sure to jot this in your calendar. We have a, a holiday schedule for the next three Sundays, December 19th, 26th, and January 2nd. We will just have one service, okay? One service, 10 a.m. If you come at 9, you'll be really early. Uh, if you come at 11, you'll catch communion. So 10 o'clock, I uh, hope you will join us for all of that. And our benediction comes from Romans. Chapter 11, Paul writes this. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Let's sing our special song. So the last few Christmas services we've ended, and it's, it's now a tradition, okay? So like we do the doxology at the end of all of our normal Sunday services, at the end of our special Christmas service, we go out singing, Go Tell It on the Mountain. And we sing together. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere, go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere, go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. While shepherds kept their watching, or silent flocks by night, Behold, throughout the heavens, there's some holy light. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain, that Jesus Christ is born. The shepherds feared and trembled, when low above the earth, ring out the angel chorus that hailed the Savior's Go tell it on the mountain 
The humble Christ was born, and God sent us salvation that blessed Christmas morn. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain, that Jesus Christ is born. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain, that Jesus Christ is born. That Jesus Christ is born. Go in peace. Change.
the Father's love begotten, ere the worlds began to be, He the Alpha and Omega, He the source, the ending, He of the things